0: You're listening to a Do What Moves You production.
1: The actual, like, doing of, like, the training and, like, the tennis, like, it's difficult, but that is the easiest part, to be honest. Like, yeah, to go out and compete and to know, like, how, you know, when you, when you, when the umpire says, like, ready, play, and you just think about all the work you've put in, a lifetime of work, the financial commitment, the time commitment, the the time away from your family, what you had to give up to be here—all of a sudden, there's a lot more pressure than if you're just going out to just play. Um, when when your full whole life has been like invested in it, and all of a sudden you need to perform, like that's a type of stress that that it, it, it's hard to it's hard to articulate unless you've like lived it. And like, am I? And so it's just a matter of, like, do I want to, like, take that on again? Um, because I have done it. I've done it for, like, many years. And um, although nothing compares to the moment of, like, winning, I, I, I tell people this, like, out of 10, like, when you win a tennis match, you're out of 10. But, like, some weeks, like, you don't get 10s.
0: That was Danielle Lau. This is Marnie Salop. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Hope everyone had a great holiday weekend. Today on the podcast, I sync up with professional tennis player and coach Daniel Lau also known as Little Giant, on Instagram and an avid runner and Hoka ambassador. Danielle and I sync up about where her career in tennis began and how she has now put her pro tennis career on hold while coaching and pursuing her passion for running, which is fueling her for success. Danielle has won three single titles and three doubles titles on the ITF women's circuit. She achieved a career-high singles ranking of 152 by the WTA on April 1st, 2019. Danielle competed for the USC Trojans, where she was a two-time All-American and team captain. She won the 2008 USTA National Open, and her current ranking is number 409 as of July 3rd, 2023. She also has some really outstanding Grand Slam singles results. She has also played in the Grand Slam tournaments, the Australian Open Q3 in 2019 and 2020, the French Open Q1 2018, 2019, and 2021, and Wimbledon 1R in 2021. In 2013, Danielle co-authored a top-selling tennis book with Rick Limbert called The Invaluable Experience. In the book, Lau takes readers through her college tennis career and shows why playing a sport in college might be the best decision you ever make. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to wherever you get your podcasts on Apple. Click on the Money on the Move podcast, scroll through the reviews, click on the five stars and click on the little tiny writing that says leave a review and tell us what you love. Also, Share this conversation on your social channels. Tag us. We'll tag you back. All right, let's get into it. When did you get your start in tennis and then when did you kind of move it and turn it into a career?
1: So I started playing when I was seven. It was an accident. I was in on vacation with my family and like my parents needed to go to a timeshare meeting and instead of dropping me off at the hotel daycare they dropped me off for some tennis lessons and uh, when I came back from vacation they enrolled me in group lessons group lessons became private lessons private lessons became like your first tournament I won my first tournament that I ever played and um, I tell everyone this story that I fell in love with winning before I fell in love with the game. Yeah. Because the moment, like, the tournament director gave me that trophy, I was just like, okay, like, I'm I'm knee deep now. I, I have to continue because I would love to have a moment like this again. Yeah, So the, that's kind of, like, my story. And then, like, you progress with, like, competition, too. You have, like, satellites. Then, like... <sighs> Then you go into nationals and then like, oh, pro or college. And the rest is kind of just, it was just like a snowball effect. One thing to the next. So you've always been on the
0: track to pursue this as a career. Like even as a young kid, like you immediately got into that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think also like for me, just personality wise of anything I set out to do, I try to like over deliver and maybe even overdo and and just uh, ever since as a young kid, um with with anything I did so maybe like the dream wasn't quite clear like at the age of seven or eight years old but every day I set out I wanted to like do my best and I I recall maybe around the ages of like 10 I watched Wimbledon on tv yeah right it was something you could see you could visualize I had a visual for it and then it's like I want that one day and so you said, like we were
0: talking at the beginning of this conversation, like it has evolved from obviously, you know, when you started, however many years ago that was to today, the sport has definitely evolved. And I also like as a young kid played tennis and just it's an incredible and amazing, you know, the evolution of the sport. So talk to me a little bit that, about that, maybe from a couple different perspectives, right? Like from an actual player perspective and your training and then maybe like a mindset perspective and then just like women in the sport.
1: Yeah, like as a player, I think in the beginning, it's like, okay, there's this sport that like my parents got me to do. And I just want to be a good kid. So I'm just going to do my best. And then eventually you have a visual of like what it can be if you want it to be your own dream. right? And then you work towards that. And then like, and then you start to mix in with competitors and then you start to view it in a different lens. Like, well, I want to beat her and I want to beat her and I want to beat her. I want to be the best of everybody in my little pond. And so like, you get like wrapped up in that and, and it just like kind of goes back and forth between like, who, who do I need to beat now? And who do I want to be later Yeah. also? So it just like kind of goes back and forth about that. And then like at around the age of like 15, 16 years old, you need to, at least like in my generation, you need to decide, are you going to pursue this like professionally right now? Or are you going to go to school first? Right. And, and like um, I'm going to bounce back and forth between like, kind of like the two layers, the three layers of this uh, question. Yeah. And so like from a professional, like, you know, mindset at that time, you either chose college or you chose the professional route. There was nothing like kind of in between where you could play after college, Mm -hmm. at least like the tennis culture. That's what it was. It was like, as soon as you went to college, you were almost surrendering your professional career. Like that, that's what the culture was. And at that time, at the age of like 16, 17, I was like, I'm not ready to, I, I'm nowhere near, like, good enough. Like, I have potential, but I'm nowhere near good enough and, like, settled in, like, my own identity as an athlete to make this my job okay. at this young age. And um, I I ended up taking a full scholarship to USC, um, coming from an Asian-American background. It's, it's huge to have education yeah. also. And so this, so growing up with that type of foundation, like, the college route was definitely the the right choice for me especially where I was in terms of like the maturity of my game right and so I went to college developed as uh, you know between the ages of 18 and 2022 20, developed as a person I didn't really have plans just to hit tennis balls or like are something I, I don't know what made me agree to go play a professional tennis tournament um but but I did and I I did quite well in the first few that kind of like snowballed it was just like well one thing led to the next and then like all of a sudden like the the dream to play professionally to be on to play on the biggest stages it was like revived again
0: yeah well I mean it was you like- see like when you see mm-hmm. like some of the players like Serena mm-hmm. just retired and
1: I mean, that
0: was kind of, like, unprecedented, Mm -hmm. right, to play until you're, like, in your 40s. I mean...
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now
0: the times are so different. So, I mean, you can still get there.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, like, for sure, and, like... Uh, from like a training perspective and like a sports science perspective. I think like in the earlier years of tennis, maybe like 20 years ago, like youth was definitely on your side because that's when you're the most physically fit without training, right?
0: Right, you have to train harder as you get older.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and as you get older. Yeah, yeah, but as, um, as sports science has come along, as people in the endurance world, you don't hit your endurance peak, like at the age of 20, you hit it kind of like a little later because okay. it takes years and years and years to build it. So like with tennis, with, um, with sports science coming along and, you know, players starting to develop a different way or with like, you know, a different mentality, you see players peaking in their mid twenties now and not at like 16, 18. Right. Right. More so like the the longevity of the game the maturity of the game has like come a lot later. Yeah now. And so and and we've also found that like, as you know, 25 and onward, you may need you, if you develop a good foundation, you may not need to train as hard and you can leverage that with your mental management, recovery. Instead of like, instead of building, you're, you you yeah. just recover better. Yeah, just because you're smarter and you're more experienced, you know right. your body better. Like all, all those things, it's the same way that you would, you would argue like an like an old like an older runner and old or an older triathlete has um, has an advantage over somebody younger.
0: Right. It's like your fast twitch and slow twitch muscles, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I feel like it always comes down to like you have to always be building your endurance, but you really need mm-hmm. both because. I mean, when you're doing an Ironman, like in my world of triathlon, you know, Mm -hmm. you can have different goals, right? Like you can just want to run and do triathlon forever. You can win, be like a pro and want to win. You can want to win in your age group and all of those things like require different training. And I feel like it's similar with tennis. Yeah. I I love that you're running, like that you've been (laughs) like – you know, I love that that's, like, one of your sports that you love to do. Like, I've seen on your Instagram all the posts you've done. Like, we work with similar people. Like, I saw you post a Nix hydration thing the other day. And
1: I know you're a Hoka fan. So, talk to me a little bit about that. In terms of, like, Nix hydration, like, I've... I- been a partner with a uh, salt stick for a few years and i actually did a podcast uh with tennis warehouse and salt stick maybe about like six months ago and we were joking around about like um sweat like sweat and i was and i was talking about like you guys should have a sweat test campaign yeah
0: and
1: no one in the tennis world really knows about it yeah. but because i dabble in like the endurance world like i know about a sweat test and i and like you know you guys are salt stick let's be fun i was selfishly i just wanted to do a sweat test right <laughs> and i wanted someone to or I, I wanted some like fun campaign to go with it and um sure enough like a few months later i get an email from SaltStick, and they're like we're gonna do a sweat test campaign we're gonna do sweat science campaign and i was just like wow no way i'd like manifested it this is so I love great that. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought they were going to give me like this Gatorade like patch, you know, yeah. <laughs> the one that's like around 20 bucks, but then like I get in this middle, this beautiful box. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness, like I didn't even know something like this existed. Like this is so high end like and I and I'm just doing my best like on social media to like to convey how crazy this is because like people who just don't know, it's just like you've been wearing like a they've been trying appreciation for like what this is but maybe i'm just like a dork and a geek and i'm just like wow this is really cool no it's totally game changing i mean i would be curious to see like a half
0: marathon versus a tennis match like or a game like how much you sweat if there's a
1: difference have you done that yet yeah so i did like a 90 minute and then an eight mile run like you know a sweat test with a five mile run and such but for sure i lose a you lose like a lot more fluid the runs more electrolytes on the runs than like playing tennis i i did like i think my five mile run was like anywhere between like you know 50 to like 60 minutes five yeah. six mile run and yeah. like i i think i i the rate was i sweat like six ounces more per hour
0: on a run versus during
1: a tennis on, a, on a run versus um versus playing tennis so how
0: long is a game usually for you
1: like it uh, anywhere on? <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it just really depends uh but anywhere between like 90 minutes to two hours yeah it's about it's about that time but f- the thing is like with with tennis also you're you're having it's it's more like interval work and you you have like that time in between to to rehydrate and uh and take water i mean like, i did a half marathon in, in san francisco recently i didn't take one water stop um so Wow, I'm just like thinking about like with tennis, that would, that would never happen. I would for sure take a water break somewhere. Yeah,
0: But did you run with a water bottle or? Oh, no. Oh, no, no. No?
1: Mm -mm. Wow. That's next level. (laughs) Did I, did I break rules? Am I breaking all like hydration rules right now? I definitely did not take a break. (laughs) But you did
0: use the salt stick hydration in. So you had, you had advanced like
1: hydration Mm -hmm. or
0: like not hydration, but like electrolytes yeah yeah
1: i i mean like it wasn't even that hot so i just i just took one capsule and and just went but yeah. uh it, it was i have definitely front loaded i've definitely <laughs> <roll> front loaded <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> on hydration a lot stronger than that but it yeah. was cold outside it was a, it was okay I was gonna be okay like
0: you've been doing you know when you're an athlete like you know what you can what you're capable of I mean you're probably super connected and a half marathon is probably nothing for you so (laughs) Um,
1: I mean like I I for sure like um approaching that half marathon I was like I've definitely run in like worse conditions than this like I'll be okay (laughs) do you love so you
0: love running what is it that you love about it
1: um well it, it wasn't that relationship was not love um to start also as a tennis player i i did a lot of like interval training like maybe maybe like 10 years ago and then like around like eight years ago i met my boyfriend who uh who was just finishing his first Ironman. man oh okay so that's why you know about the triathlon <laughs> And then, like, he would invite me out to, like, some fun runs. And I was just, like, he would be, like, let's go, let's have, come out to my run club. We'll run a 5K. First of all, what's a 5K? I only know miles in my brain. And then, like, we'll run a 5K. And then we have happy hour after. And I was just, like, so confused that that's a sin. Like, what's what's going on here? You go go for a run and you just trash the body with with beer. But um, for him and his friends, it was more like a social. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I guess like so I've learned um and so I, I I turned him down a few times but eventually I was like okay, I'll come out for the 5K. Yeah. And I I, I yeah, I, I quite enjoyed like running and um there's this hill on our running route it's called arbor hill in pasadena and it's this massive hill like quarter mile hill but i just love the challenge of that hill i think i i love the feeling of getting to the top of that Mm -hmm. hill more than the actual run the whole run in itself and that was like my first like you know affection for like running and um and as i started to show up to run club more frequently i saw it was kind of helping my tennis like just not unintentionally I just wasn't getting tired and like with 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 Arbor Hill um, some days if we felt ambitious we'll do repeats and I was just running uh, and and like one day it would be three and then the next day it'll be next time it'll be four and then like a few weeks after that we'll be doing six and I and you know uh, I just felt my fitness kind of like building like unintentionally yeah and uh, I was just like, what if I, what if I started to do this like regularly with some sort of structure, um, you know, what, what would happen? And, and I started to incorporate it in my, in my training, in my cross training more. Um, and, and yeah, no, it's so like at first it was, it was just to get out and socialize with him. And then next I saw some sort of, some sort of benefit um, in my, in my training and in my tennis and now honestly like it's it's been great to to train for the half marathon that race but it's also running's also been like a place for me to like kind of clear my head have my me time you know especially when you run more frequently not every run is a pr run anymore um, that was one thing i had to learn like as i got into running like it's cuz when when i go out and i play tennis every day's a pr day like, I, there's no such thing as like, oh, yesterday I hit well. I don't want to hit as well today. I want to hit better today than yesterday. I want to serve better today than yesterday. Every day is a PR day. And I really had to wrap my learn to wrap my head around that concept that when you run and you run frequently, every day is not a PR day. Like, we, we are not trying to PR every single day. Because if you try to PR every single day, you are going to get hurt. And, and so I've had to, like, really, like, learn that. Um, so, so now, like now that I run even like more frequently, especially like with the training, it's been like, you know, some days I just, I, I have to like really go out and set an intention. Like, okay, what, what, what's going on today? Is, is today a PR day? Are we going, are we really hammering it today? Or is today just like a, like today I'm, I'm just trotting around just to get my legs loose before I, I do some weights, like in the gym. Okay. Yeah.
0: I think that's a really interesting analogy because like tennis Mm -hmm. is, there's no Mm -hmm. podium, right? Like there's one winner Mm -hmm. and that's it. There's no like second place, third place. Like, and so you kind of need that mindset Mm -hmm. when you're playing tennis. Like every day has to be your best day and every day has to be better. And Mm -hmm. I, I feel like there's like a lot of like stress around that, especially where this, there, there seems to be like there's more opportunity in running like than there is mm-hmm. in tennis. And I feel like, you know, as a, a lot of my listeners, including myself as an endurance athlete, you know, kind of dialing into tennis and watching these sports and then hearing about how so many players have, you know, mental health issues and mm-hmm. there's a lot of stress. And, you know, I was watching yeah. Breakpoint and it's hard. Like I can't imagine, you know, every day doing something like playing tennis, because you love it and because you want to compete and because you want to win and putting everything into like one mm-hmm. opportunity it's hard yeah, no, how do you how do no. you deal with that
1: it's it, it definitely is tough it's a very unique mentality um it's uh you find yourself on the edge all the time my boyfriend always jokes with me he says you are always boom or bust why <laughs> and i was it's just it's just it's just how we are um and and it's it truly is a skill to be on tour for I've been on tour for like 10 years. It yeah. truly is a skill to treat every match like it's the most important thing in your life to play like it's the most important thing but as soon as it's over to treat it as it's the least important thing yeah because like hard. if you yeah. yeah because if you win, you have another one. so this last match needs to be the least important thing. And if you lose, you need to not dwell for too long, just for your mental health. So it needs to eventually become the least important thing. And that is probably the toughest thing to do on tour.
0: Your coach, right? Like they're like trying to motivate you, but you just probably want mm-hmm. to tell them to shut up because you're so upset. <laughs> I don't know. Like mm-hmm. if somebody tells me to calm down, like that's not a good thing, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to calm down if someone's like, mm-hmm. don't worry. You know, there was kinds of I don't know it's hard I feel like sure. I, I feel for the tennis players
1: no I, but I totally I totally get it though like yeah yeah like my family boyfriend it's always there's always that line it's just the game and I call oh <laughs> not like, you now. did not just say that <laughs> it is not just the game it's yeah. not just a game and it's tough like like right now, um, because I'm taking a break from competing, I'm actually coaching a lot. So I'm on the other side, yeah. And I totally see where they're coming from too. And it's been a huge, it's been an incredibly like rewarding experience to be on this side because when you are playing, you really do lose sight of like the big picture, yeah. The process, the building, and and like the art of that because you just you just want what what you can get right now the win yeah but as a coach the only thing I want to see from my players is their investment in the process right like their their love for like just improving and just trying to be this much better every single day like that's what I want to see like beyond the wins and the losses and it's just such it's it's such a great You know, opportunity for me to see it on the other side too. Yeah, but I also, I also empathize with my players. Like when they are saying, like it's not just the game. And yeah, I know I will never use that line, right? Because because I'm very close to, to where they were before. Also, yeah, I know it's not just the game, but it's just um, reminding them of the fact that there is like a bigger picture, and if you trust the bigger picture. The wins, the results—they're a byproduct of your trust in in that, and it's just so tough to articulate and see and to accept when you're when you're living it as yeah, a player.
0: I see. I can see that. I can see that mm-hmm. being a big challenge. And I think I think it's interesting now that you're coaching. Would you ever mm-hmm. want to work with pro players? Like, what level of athletes are you coaching?
1: Yeah. So right now, like over over this summer, I was hired by the USTA, which is. Um, the 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 united states tennis association that's our federation in america yeah that's as big as you could get in in tennis they they they're in charge of the u.s open so i was uh hired by them to to coach the summer collegiate team and what and what they do is they select the five top american collegiate girls and they have me coach them in professional events okay so like they're making that transition that I made okay, 10 years ago. And so I so in a way, like they have some of them are going back to school. So they have not surrendered their amateur status, but they are playing professionally. So I am coaching like the profession, like professional level players.
0: What's the training like for a tennis player?
1: So, um, when I, when I was competing, it, everything is like, is progression, just like it is in running, just like it is in triathlon. You have, um, you, if you want to do like a serious, um, preseason or training block, normally it's around five to six weeks. And at the beginning for the first two weeks, your fitness is like, is like through the roof. You may not even play that much tennis. Like, so that's so like maybe first week you're doing like, you know, six mile runs like three times a week. And then like putting that together with weight training and swimming, you do that for like two weeks. And then like for the next two weeks, you bring the fitness, um, you bring, bring the fitness down a little bit and you start mm-hmm. to incorporate some tennis. And so maybe like, you know, you're, you're running your 10Ks twice a week. And then, and then you're starting to add some tennis in there. Mm-hmm. And then by your third week, you bring your running back up to three times a week. And then you bring your tennis up too. So, like, your third week, you're suffering like the most.
0: Okay. And then you get a recovery week.
1: Yeah. And then, like, by the fourth week, you bring the running down. Maybe, like, maybe you'll only do like 110K but you'll you'll supplement the other like two days you would do a 10k with like a zone 4 bike workout just to reduce the pounding. Okay. And then like by week 5, we week, week 6, depending on if you're starting to compete on week 7 or 8, you'll really you'll either bump the fitness back up one more time or you'll start to taper and bring it back down and really increase the tennis. Got so it. So like, and and every athlete's going to be different. Some people need a little bit more conditioning. So there's more running and biking involved. Some people are looking to build a little bit more muscle. So there's more gym work involved. So it just like, it just like really depends what's going on. But like that normally, like that's, that's what the progression is kind of just like in running. You have like the peak of your fitness and then like you, you taper down.
0: And then it gets like sports specific with tennis and playing and Mm -hmm. working on technique and everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So You
0: find that all of these other sports like running, swimming, uh, cycling, Mm -hmm. strength training, all those things help build it, build the cardiovascular endurance system for tennis.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like for someone like me, I've been in the sport for for quite a quite a long time. I mean, I, I've done like in college, I did quite a bit of weight training because like you have like certain hours that you're supposed to, you you have to keep like the training to a certain amount of hours. And so like to be efficient, um, the strength and conditioning coaches are like, well, we're not running like a 10 K because that would just take up all our time. Like we are just going to lift more weights and just hopefully keep you strong so that you don't get injured. We're not building endurance. And so like I built quite a you know decent like you know weight lifting like foundation like when I was in school. So now it's more like I I lift the weights to stay strong. I don't I don't need to PR my weights. It's not gonna give me that much more on my on my shots. but if I'm if my endurance is good, if my conditioning is good and I can run all day, like that that really pays like huge dividends for me, yeah. especially I'm five three I'm a mover. okay I need to I need to move quite well. So like it's it, that would be a different story of a girl that's like five eleven, right? I mean, so it just really depends if what type is of player five
0: eleven. Like what's their what's their game plan strategy usually?
1: Yeah, so like normally somebody that's five eleven, they're probably bigger hitters. They got may it. do some movement just to maintain like some sort of like fast twitch muscles, but they're never going to be a gazelle. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know they're not. That. They're never going to be a gazelle. So like you could train it all you want, but it's It's like physics. Like, yeah, it's hard. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. So they would probably do more strength training just to, you know, maximize and take advantage of like their first strike. You know, like their beat on the ball. Got it.
0: And do you see like mm -hmm. tennis? Would you say tennis is helpful for runners and other kinds of athletes to Mm -hmm. kind of help Mm -hmm. with some kind of training or?
1: (laughs) I wouldn't say it would help a runner honestly, (laughs) but (laughs) terrified like.
0: I really want to play. Like, I played when I was a kid and I really want to mm-hmm. get back into it, but I'm terrified that I'm just going to get out there and like twist my ankle. Yeah. Like,
1: general- yeah. 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 You would definitely need like running shoes or something. Tennis is not like a good sport to cross train for another sport. I feel. Yeah. 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 I think tennis, it's a, it's a boutique, boutique like um, specialty sport. I feel like you could cross train for tennis by playing soccer
0: yeah okay because you, you, know? you need that ankle flexibility yeah you, you just need to
1: be, to be able to stuff. run like yeah you need to be, if you can like sprint across a, a soccer field chase the ball and have like that that like foot eye coordination like it definitely helps but yeah. like does playing tennis help a soccer player probably not like yeah. I, I'll be honest with that yeah um, I think it
0: was just like I was thinking about like maybe playing tennis recreationally but I'm a, like I said like I am afraid to play when I'm like training for a marathon or I've got like, a yeah, because I am like just such a like klutz, I would totally or I would be really serious and get competitive. And then I would be like, uh-huh. you know, twist my ankle anyway. I don't know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only the only time like I recommend tennis um, to to people who are for like training is you know, maybe people who don't like to like exercise, like who don't like to do who don't like to get on the treadmill who don't want to like do go to soul go, go to soul cycle and do a bike workout like who who just really hate like stagnant cardio go play from tennis like the, the the time passes a little faster like you're you gotta go chase a ball like you'll definitely burn like more calories and it's a lot more fun doing that than like you know hitting the stairmaster or getting on the treadmill and stationary bike or, or totally. doing that like if they don't like that Totally. It's crazy in New York. Like if
0: you, I I run up and down the West side highway and Mm -hmm. there are some outdoor tennis courts. I feel like there's like four just Mm -hmm. like before Chelsea. When I go for my run, there are Mm -hmm. there are benches and it's like organized chaos and so Uh all these new yorkers are like sitting outside in like 98 degrees no joke Mm -hmm. i mean i'm also no joke running in 98 degrees Mm -hmm. but whatever um (laughs) passing them as they're sitting there waiting to play tennis and i come back and they're still on the line and i'm like oh Mm -hmm. my god it's 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 kind of like and especially during the u.s open like everybody wants Mm -hmm. to play tennis
1: yeah yeah you're in New York
0: yeah I'm in New York okay, in Battery Park. okay yeah so I see that you are doing some fun stuff we talked about with Nick's hydration and mm-hmm. also with hoka so do you wear hokas when you play tennis or are they more for your running
1: no hokas are for my cross training um for my running I I do like love I just after I'm off when I'm done with tennis, like I love, I just I can't wait to put my feet in like running shoes though because yeah. tennis shoes are just so stiff. Yeah, you know, for, for the ankle and ankle support, the lateral movement, like they have to be stiff. But like as as soon as I'm done, like and the shoes are off, like I can't wait to put my feet in like my pair of hokas and yeah. and yeah, I do use them for cross training. What
0: do you play? Uh, um, what do you? What do you play tennis in? What shoes?
1: I use a K-Swiss.
0: Still around. Those were like the yep, original still awesome tennis shoes. <laughs> yeah,
1: the OG tennis shoe. Um, I'm also from California too. Yeah. So I mean, K-Swiss is a California brand. Do you have like a certain racket you love? Yeah, I use the Babylon Pure Strike 100. Yeah. Clothing. I mean, clothing, clothing. I'm just wearing Hoka right now, honestly. Like they've, they, they've made me a walking billboard which is great (laughs) yeah I love their gear
0: and what do you do like since you're doing both playing both tennis and running like what do you do Mm -hmm. for hydration and nutrition Mm -hmm. in terms of like your day-to-day and then like when Mm -hmm. you're playing and maybe post
1: yeah I guess it just like really depends like how hot it is outside but um on a typical day like I I'm also uh partnered with picky bars
0: oh yeah those are great
1: um yeah. So I, I use picky bars for like my, my fuel. And especially, um, when I was traveling and on the road, just to keep it consistent, I bring the bars with me. I bring the oatmeal with me. I could be, I could be in China. I can be, I could be in London, but everything, at least I could keep that consistent, keep my, keep my fuel, at least the pre, uh, carb source consistent. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so yeah, I use picky bars, uh, salt stick I use for hydration um also depends on the weather yeah if it's if it's 70 and below I could live without but if it if it gets around like yeah 80 and it's starting to feel a little humid yeah I need a little hydration in there and and also like I try not to stress too much about it it depends like where what what my goal is like if i'm competing oh yes i definitely do like front load on the hydration i overdo it we're going into if we're going into US open like i'm drinking like two scoops like before my practices like i can't afford to be dehydrated at all right. but if if right now if i'm coaching and i'm going for a 10k if I finish the run a little dehydrated, is it going to kill me? Not really. But like if I'm competing, like definitely on top of it, I, I front load. I drink during. So I'll probably like front load with two scoops, drink, you know, probably two scoops during. And then after I'll, I'll finish with one scoop, depend, depending on how, how long the practice was.
0: So you mentioned you were taking a break from competing. But do you mm-hmm. think you'll go back? And if you do, like when or? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Right now, I do not have plans to go back. Um, I am quite enjoying like being in one place <laughs> for a while. When I was competing, I was on the road thirty weeks out of the year, um, and um, and the coaching has been really rewarding for me. I mean, I've I've stopped competing for about like I've been my break's been about six months and. I I didn't think I would enjoy coaching. So six months may seem a long time, but in the grand grand scheme of things of how Mm -hmm. long I've been playing the sport, it's really not that much time for me to, you know, fully have a clear idea. Like, am am I going to like completely put it down yet or not? Um, I do miss like the prestige of winning for sure. Like for myself, but in terms of like the lifestyle, all the sacrifices, financial management um and everything else that goes into being a professional athlete like that that i'm not sure if i'm ready to take on like again i tell everybody this like the actual like doing of like the training and like the tennis like it's difficult but that is the easiest part to be honest like yeah to go out and compete and to know like how you know when you when you when the umpire says, like, ready, play, and you just think about all the work you've put in, a lifetime of work, the financial commitment, the time commitment, the, the time away from your family, what you had to give up to be here, all of a sudden there's a lot more pressure than if you're just going out to just play. Um, when, when your full whole life has been like invested in it and all of a sudden you need to perform, like that's a type of stress that, that it's hard to, it's hard to articulate unless you've like lived it. And like, am I, and so it's just a matter of like, do I want to like take that on again? Um, because I have done it. I've done it for like many years. And, um, although nothing compares to the moment of like winning, I, I tell people this, like, out of 10, like, when you win a tennis match, you're at a 10. But, like, some weeks, like, you don't get 10s. Like, you you know, some weeks you don't get 10s. But, you know, when I'm out and I'm coaching and I can connect with a player and really improve somebody, like, I get an I I feel like an 8. But I can get an 8 every day. You know so I'm just like wondering, like, do I really want to go back and and find those tens that are kind of like scattered across you know the year, or am i am I good with just getting eights every day? like, um, yeah, so i'm I'm trying to sort through all that like right now, especially on my runs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a good time to do it, right?
1: Yeah mm-hmm.
0: um, and so I guess, like my last question is like, you know, you mentioned um my last question is, you know who are you loving right now? That's playing. I'm sure you like watch all the matches and the games and mm-hmm. everything. Like who are you? Who are some mm-hmm. of your Who are some of your favorite players?
1: I love watching Iga Iga Świątek. Yeah. Um, just just the mental game. Wow. Like just just playing just playing great. Like mentally, like no one's more locked in than her. She doesn't yeah. win every match, but like mentally, she's she, I think she's kind of like leaps and bounds, yeah.
0: Um,
1: above, uh, above the field, and and Carlos Alcaraz is so fun to watch. Yeah, um, he's young, but again, the shot making is is amazing. But the the thing I admire is just like the mentality, the mentality he has like at such a young age. Yeah, um, the understanding of of yeah, like that process, the building. And and his perspective, I he doesn't win every match. Also, I've seen him lose matches, but come away with like you know the the best you know, he, come away coming away from losses with that grace. And I and I and you can really respect that about a player, yeah. especially at his age. So like for me, yes, both of them fantastic players. Love watching them shot make, but it's it's the intangibles that I, I enjoy like seeing and like to and knowing that those intangibles are. Again, like, what I say, like, when you have those intangibles, the winning is just a byproduct of, of the overall mentality yeah, of, of how they, like, handle themselves, like, on and off the court. So, like, I, I just like seeing those those things, like, come together, especially with those two.
0: And are there any emerging players that you're looking at, like, that are, like, maybe not competing in the Open or in Wimbledon or any of the Grand Slams that are kind of, like, just getting there? Do you think um, anyone...
1: Yeah, uh, it's hard to say because like if you've been in like the sport like long enough it's it's like you always see like potential and talent but it's all but what's impressive is longevity yeah
0: okay actually
1: someone can like poke their head in and have a hot summer and you're just like wow like great but like you see you see so many of those especially if you've been in a sport for a long time so it's almost like that's it's impressive, but it's it's it doesn't turn your head anymore. Okay. Or at yeah. least for me, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. It doesn't turn your head anymore to see someone have a hot streak because it just happens and you've seen it happen so many times. The ones that like you just really catch your attention is someone like Iga and like Carlos, and you're just like that this can happen for a very long time. Yeah. And that's what you just appreciate, especially watching like Rafa, Novak, Federer serena like being in the game for so long you're like that's hard you know being that good for yeah venus like that's hard right like that's difficult like that makes you makes you just (laughs) think about it at night but yeah a hot streak here and there you're like okay yeah impressive but i've seen a lot so
0: it takes a lot mm-hmm. to get there, though, right? Like it takes mm-hmm. so much to be like that young new player that makes it mm-hmm. into the Grand Slams, uh, into any of them, and then like can mm-hmm. sustain for as long as Serena did or Venus's or you know any mm-hmm. of these athletes. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you watch Breakpoint?
1: Yes, I've I have a few of the new episodes to go, but I definitely watched the first lot.
0: It was fun for me because yeah. I really didn't know what was happening behind the scenes until I watched that. And I thought, oh, my oh God, yeah, crazy. Yeah, no, it,
1: it's it's great. It's great for people who don't know to watch it. Watching it, I felt like oh, I kind of live this one, huh? It really feels seems very close to home. Um, and, and for all those like who who don't know, like whatever you see, you're, you're seeing it at like the Grand Slam level. Like that happens at every level.
0: Yeah, that's good to know.
1: At every level. Even the smaller tournaments. Like, this is happening and probably even worse.
0: Are you doing any running events coming up? Like, are you any races that you have?
1: Uh, I don't have any big plans. I am running, like, a fun 10K. I think it's called uh, the She is Beautiful. Um, it, it's a HOKA-sponsored event. So, I'm going to do that uh, down in in Santa Barbara. Um, other than that, no... No real big plans right now. Um, everyone's tr- everyone's trying to like dangle the full marathon carrot in front of my face. And I'm like, no, I know better.
0: Tell me about your book and when you wrote it and what was the inspiration behind it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, for for me, I, I didn't set out to write a book. Um, I'd finished playing... College tennis, and uh, it was it was a great experience. I was blogging quite a bit about, like you know, certain lessons that I learned. You know, while while I was at school, um, I was I was pretty. Yeah, I was I was sad my experience at school was over, and and also was probably coping with the idea of like, am am I done with like the sport? Also, and so I I, I turned to writing a little bit. Um, just wanted to it was just such a rich experience and I wanted to kind of like document it. And um, Rick Limpert, my my partner that helped me uh, publish that book, he found my blog when I played my first professional event because he was just looking up information like on me because he was actually going to interview me at some point. And he found the blog um, and approached me to you know do a project together and just like, make it a book. Um so they're just kind of like you know lessons and uh you know bite-sized experiences that I had while I was in school. Um just like put together like in a book. So um yeah, the inspiration was just like having a rich experience in school. Um and and yeah, just saying yes to to a project out of college and um, it, it it just seemed like such a great great idea especially at the time because i i felt like i just wanted to share my experience with with other people and especially the the juniors coming through also i wanted them to like know that like college was like a great choice although it it seemed to be maybe a less than choice sometimes or depicted as a less than choice because you were giving up your professional dream, mm-hmm. but it had a lot more to offer than just, than just like, Oh, th- this was just a backup plan if you weren't going to turn pro.
0: Right. And that's kind of how you felt like going into it. Right. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and now like, and that was like, I wrote that before I, I decided to play professionally So now if I were to write something else, it would just it would be basically like um, the narrative is a lot different now. Yeah, there are a lot of college players that are playing professionally after and like, actually, like for me, one of my dreams and goals is to have, you know, set something up for like the college girls to make that transition to educate them about that transition. Yeah um because there there are things in place to educate junior tennis players about their transition to college um there's really n- not too much in place to educate the college players to transition on the pro tour um so i, yeah, I, I would a good, love to good idea yeah so i would love to like create like you know more opportunities kind of like this collegiate summer team where i was helping like a group of five girls um just kind of get their feet wet on professional tournaments. I would love to have something like a little bit more consistent um, and and available to more than just five girls. Uh, You know, if anything, like training camps that like these players can go to, it would be kind of like a seminar, right? Like a seminar, but like a training camp.
0: Yeah. Well, this has been super awesome. Thank you again.
1: Yeah, this has been great.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at MarnieOnTheMove on the Move for Facebook and Instagram. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com, for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove one at gmail.com and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.